Okay, welcome back, listeners. This is Brian Carmody, the Profit Finder, and you are listening to How to Dominate Your Market with the Profit Finder. And this is um, today's guest I'm super excited to talk to. Uh, it comes from an industry that I have been in for since 2003. So I think we're going to get into some some nice details here and some cool strategies. Uh, Joe Aiello is the Vice President of Commercial Office Interiors. And uh, he has is basically one of the people running the company. And um, he's going to talk about their uh, startup success and and why they did it and and grow into uh, stories about what they're doing now and how they're continuing to grow into the future and serve the community in in New Hampshire and Massachusetts and Maine and uh, and uh, businesses that need furniture and office furniture that is and we'll uh, we'll talk more about what that industry looks like if it's new to you and how some of the things that they're doing can apply to virtually any business no matter what industry. Okay, so Joe, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having us, Brian. Um, definitely my pleasure to be on the podcast. And you know, yeah, I guess to get started, um, you know. Who are we? What do we do? What is a furniture dealer? Um, basically, in short, as a contract furniture dealer, our goal is to deliver commercial furniture to end users. And what that looks like is we typically have clients come up to us and they'll say, hey, you know, we have this space. We don't know what to do with it. Or, hey, we're going through a renovation. We're buying a new building. We are trying to hire more employees. We need to rearrange the floor plan to accommodate for a new type of space. Um, in all those scenarios, that's a, an appropriate time to engage us. And we're going to ask for a floor plan of the space. And then for a quick 30 minute intro call, Hey, what are you thinking here? And we'll ask all of our questions. We can rip through it in about 30 minutes. And then from there, we'll turn around a 2d and 3d colored rendering for the client to say, here's our idea. And then we'll sit down and do another recap call. Um, you know, just final touches, right? How close are we here? Do we like the fabrics, finishes, et cetera? Uh, put a nice bow on it, and then we'll see them in about four weeks or less to complete the installation. So um, that kind of, especially with the lead times, that takes us right into you know the types of dealers. So you have your independents, which would be us, and then you have your aligned dealers. If you're aligned with a major manufacturer, that sometimes can put some limitations on what manufacturers you can sell. Um, and it can definitely tie your hands sometimes there with lead times. Um, as an independent, we can sell anything in the industry, and you could think of us like a, uh, you know, a, uh, a commercial insurance broker of sorts, where like, hey, we just broker the furniture from the industry, and you know, uh, oh, you need it in three weeks, you need it in four, it has to be in six, or it has to be in two. Great, we have solutions for all of the above. Logistically, we can make just about anything work. So you know, we can have cubicles out the door in eleven days. Um, so you know, it, we're very, very flexible from a lead time perspective. Now, from a an aligned dealer perspective, hey, they may not be able to be that flexible. I've gotten, you know, I've I've seen some stuff from competitors where you know, yeah, they're six to eight weeks minimum for lead times for any project. Um, however say you wanted one of the majors, yes, you do have to buy from them because we wouldn't technically be able to get that brand new. We could only get it used. So we're kind of like the more flexible version uh, version of, of a dealer. And that is one of our competitive advantages in the market is, hey, any price point, uh, any you know sort of lead time or deadline, we can make that work and turn around a floor plan 
that fits your company colors, you know, enhances your culture, um, and, and just be, create a space that works for you. So, um, I personally think it's a lot more fun to be an independent than an aligned dealer. Um, but that's kind of, you know, if you want the highest design and, you know, the who's who of furniture, um, then, Hey, maybe you do have to go to an aligned dealer. We can get access to some of the best manufacturing in the world. So I would argue we do have something that's as good, if not better, but if you have to buy Herman Miller, then you got to go to that dealer. And that's kind of where, you know, I, I can only get used furniture for you there. So um, pros and cons, if you sat in the chair and it feels good, do you care who the designer was? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, maybe not, <laughs> but you know, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like buying, you know, buying designer jeans, for example, designer clothing, right? You can, if you need the name brands, because you need to, either that makes you feel good or you need to show it to the right people that then go ahead, then you got to do that. But if you're, you know, a target shopper, you know, and you want to just get a good value and some nice style with stuff that looks uh, like the things that cost a lot more, then, you know, an independent uh, dealership like yourself is probably a better option. Is that, is that fair? A hundred percent. I mean, you know, if you wanted to rock a turtleneck and you didn't care if it was Gucci or, you know, some sort of off-brand, like, a, you know, I don't know, Gap, but it looked the same when you wore your suit, you just need something under your sport coat. I mean, you know, is anyone yeah. checking the tag? Uh, if it doesn't have a logo, who would know the difference? And right. I, I would argue that, I mean, most people don't even know that they're sitting on a Herman Miller Aeron. They're just like, oh yeah, it's just a chair. Right. And it's like, well, that's a, rather expensive chair. Um, you know, I think that people really just worry about, is it comfortable? No one's flipping their cubicles over looking for tags or, you know, uh, tearing everything apart going, Oh my God, this is no, like, you know, no one cares. Uh, and that's something that like, Hey, if no one cares, then maybe we can make it look the same, but what if we could get it there faster and it costs less, does all the same things, looks the same, but faster and lower cost more budget for you and your business. Um, I'd argue, you know, I don't know. I think that that is enough value that it makes sense, but, um, so Joe, so that's kind of, I, I yep. just want to pull out on the, that point too, that, um, you, you know, we're still not talking about getting your furniture just anywhere. Right. I mean, you, you guys are clearly, I want to make sure that people understand that, you know, even though you're, uh, representing maybe, off-brand dealers uh, or manufacturers, that doesn't mean that it's um, stuff that they can get off of Amazon.com either. I mean, what? Why don't companies go into Staples and buy their furniture there? Talk about that. That's a that's a great question. Um, so when it comes to contract furniture, and uh, you know, it has to meet commercial standards. And I run into all the time people are like, well, can I just get stuff off Amazon? Yes, you absolutely can, but there's limitations to that, which is, well, it has to ship FedEx or insert, you know, ground delivery that puts weight restrictions, that puts dimension restrictions on it. And once you start doing that, then you're talking about, okay, well, if you need it lighter, then, you know, maybe we're going like particle or like press board under the laminate. The construction is far, it's much more inferior to what is made for the commercial world. The commercial world has to pass ANSI BIFMA standards. So, you know, I mean, I've seen our installers jumping on the desk shells uh, and, you know, 
180 pounds, that thing is, you can't destroy commercial furniture. If you can, I would be impressed. Um, you know, the, the high pressure laminates, you might be able to crack, but you got to be taking a hammer to it um, and like really smashing it. I mean, this stuff's indestructible. And a lot of times it can cost very similar to consumer grade products, which is more of like a staples where, hey, everyone knows that staples chair, it has a lifespan of two years. Um, and after that, like, I think <laughs> for most individuals, they're really pushing it and it's kind of like they're hanging on to it for sentimental value, but that thing is falling apart. And, you know, everyone's had that chair where they sit in it, it starts sinking and every five minutes they got to pick the chair back up and they start their sinking again. Um, you don't have that with commercial products for, you know, usually 10 years is the warranty. So a lot of times you see lifetime warranties as well. Um, the quality is much higher. It's you know, a lot of it comes with certifications. So that way it's not giving off any sort of, um, uh, it's not off gassing any VOCs. So volatile organic compounds, stuff that's toxic to breathe. You're not supposed to be, you know, breathing in formaldehyde. Um, these manufacturers produce products that are certified to be safe to breathe around and to, you know, um, they're properly sourced. So, you know, certifications like FSC, uh, ensure that these manufacturers aren't just chopping down any trees that they come across to make veneers. You know, it's, they do a great job certifying both their supply chain and their manufacturing process slash quality control to deliver a high grade product that it, you know, is, is, is commercial grade will, will live up to the rigors of any sort of commercial environment. Um, and, you know, basically can't be destroyed for, you know, 10 years up to a lifetime. So yeah, to, that's actually a great point. Uh, this stuff is, is high quality and it's not what you find on Amazon because it, it, it's a lot heavier. Um, the dimensions are more customizable and it's just, you know, Hey, if you need it down and dirty really fast, you want to see it tomorrow. And, uh, you know, you, you don't care about the quality, uh, you know, Amazon can get you cheaper prices, but for just a little bit more, you know, we can get you sit stand desks with dual motors instead of one that have a much higher weight capacity. Um, you know, they're expected to last a lot longer. I mean, most residential stuff, it seems like it has a cap out of like two years, whereas the commercial grade stuff, you know, it's not even really buy once, cry once. It's just make it, it's a, a little bit more, maybe up to 30% more in some cases, especially working with an independent, it's not that much more and you get it for life. Um, so uh, I would always argue go commercial grade because you get a much higher quality product um, than what will end up kind of going the residential road. So, um, mm -hmm. and most people, I've heard a lot of designers do this too. You can tell the difference when you pick up the furniture. Um, the, that's been like a long standing test of quality. If you pick it up and it's like, oh, this is, this is beefy. Um, you know, it's good quality versus if you pick it up and, you know, you're like, you can just kind of tip it over really easily. You can tell that it's not, it's not really that it's not made with higher quality materials. So I always push, go the commercial road, even if, you know, it's just for a home office. Um, the quality is definitely night and day. Um, so then that's what I would do. Anything like this is like, you know, our home offices are all commercial grade furniture because I think you're crazy not to. And we did ours very low cost. So um, yeah, commercial grade all the yeah. way for for product. Joe, you know an awful lot of, about commercial grade and uh, furniture for 
really just doing this a few years. I mean, your company's only a couple of years old, right? So we've been in the industry now. Uh, my partner and I have, we just say a combined decade of experience. Um, but yes, our company, Commercial Office Interiors, it, it it's officially been around for one year. So this was something that, um, you know, we, we had worked for a previous dealer and he had started to get very sick and we were aware that, you know, he was kind of declining in health, um, kind of like real estate, the business world. I've heard that private equity looks for the same triggers, like life changes to buy and sell businesses. We kind of ended up in one of those scenarios where the owner, you know, didn't really, his, you know, kids didn't want to get involved, but he was getting very ill. And at one point he wanted us to buy that business. Um, it just, and when push came to shove, it was like, you know, he was declining so fast that uh, we decided it makes sense to start a new business. Um, and, you know, that was when we started COI. Uh, but, you know, all new clients, we just pursued everything new uh, and just went in an, our own separate direction to develop what we thought was a, well, I mean, you know, if you're going to do the same business model, you might as well try to do it better. So that's what we had in mind was like, okay, how can we do this better? Take the things we liked as far as, hey, those were good ideas, or maybe, you know, um, I don't know, we liked certain things uh, or certain ways of doing business maybe, but implemented all new strategy, all new uh, operations, all new software, you know, trying to find and really, you know, take it to a new level and improve as much as we possibly could. So it was something that was kind of sprung on us. We weren't really, you know, looking to be entrepreneurs necessarily, but under those circumstances, it was like, you know, if the owner passes away and there's only one owner, like you're kind of out of a job. So that's a, it's a scenario where it's like, Hey, you know, you can either start a new business or maybe go work at Chipotle. And that was always the joke. It was like, well, we, I think we know too much about furniture to go work for Chipotle, you know, so we might as well give this a shot. Um, and that was, that was what we decided to do um, was let's do it ourselves, but let's do it better. And let's do it very differently. Um, you know, John was an absolute character, um, you know, bless his soul. He's definitely having a good time up in heaven, but uh, you know, he was a, he was a hardcore entrepreneur, did not care about risk at all. Uh, he had no problem taking on unlimited risk and I had never seen that before. So I think one of the things that inspired us was, I mean, it was like a, if John could do it, we could do it too. Right. Cause like John didn't care about risk. He would just kind of jump off the cliff and we were like, okay, so maybe we dial that back a little bit and, you know, just make sure that we're doing things the right way. Um, you know, just cross our eyes, uh, dot our eyes, cross our T's and hopefully it'll go the same, if not better. And that was like the, he was very inspiring with how he went about doing everything. Um, we were just talking to people the other day that he kind of had impacted their lives inadvertently just from being a, you know, a wild entrepreneur. Um, and it was like, okay, you know, if, if John can make this work, like we could too, I guess worse comes to worse. Like we just sleep in the office. Right. I mean, like how bad could it be? Um, yeah, I've, You're not I've giving heard yourself enough credit. Yeah. <laughs> you guys both had, you definitely had more options than Chipotle, but um Yeah, well, you know, but so I don't want our listeners to to think that. <laughs> that about, was I was 
I go to like worst case scenario. So yeah. it's, it was, you know, we were like, what is the worst thing that could happen? Mm-hmm. And then from there, it's like, you know, it, it's got to go pretty well. It can't get that bad. So right. you um, talked a lot about some of the things that you wanted to take with you. Talk about, talk about that. Talk about some of the strategies that um, either you took with you from uh, John's from being inspired by John or, uh, and, or what are some of the things that you've, you've added because you, you guys, the, the company's a year old, but you've, you know, you sold a lot of furniture in your, in your first year. So uh, people have definitely endorsed, uh, endorsed you and endorsed your, your model and what your company stands for. So talk to us about that. How did you find those all new, you know, you said you wanted to go out and find all new customers and, and build your own identity and so forth. So talk us through, you know, what you took with you and how did you, how did you start fresh? What kinds of things were important to you to do? Okay. So, um, I think some of the things that we took with us were, you know, the entrepreneurial spirit, um, just work hard and stay after it. A lot of things that we wanted to change were infrastructure related, like out the gate. Um, we knew that there was a lot of things that we had to change. So going through software changes was probably, I've heard many entrepreneurs and business owners say that, you know, every company is a software company. Um, and I think what they're getting at is you just, you need good quality software and everyone's heard of HubSpot. Everyone's heard of NetSuite, but those may not be the most appropriate. And that's where I think drilling down and looking for industry specific solutions can be critical. Um, You know, for everyone's industry, there's, there's gotta be some sort of platform that's specific. I've talked to a number of business owners in different industries and they're like, well, yeah, everyone uses this real estate platform. It's it's its own CRM and ERP all bundled in one insurance has their own, you know, everyone does. So when I started looking, it's like, oh, lo and behold, our industry does too. It's a you know multi-billion dollar industry. It's no surprise that someone developed some sort of software that improves workflow, improves you know any uh, anything to do with just managing the business. Um, so first and foremost, you got to get the software right because um, I think that sometimes software can automate and speed up a lot of manual tasks, and that gets into like your your overhead of sorts because it's just all this operational complexity that can go away really quickly if you deploy the right software so finding the software i think is is key in a lot of ways um that's kind of in your your whole software stack like how do you want to communicate how do you want to send out emails is there a good um you know you have a crm but for different companies it might be appropriate to look for erps enterprise uh resource platforms, enterprise resource platform, I believe is ERP. Um, You'll find industry specific ones and they might have a CRM built into it. So there's a way to manage and market to clients. There's a way to manage workflow Um, that can be expensive, but for the right stage of a company that might make a lot of sense to help stay really organized. So um, the things that we wanted to deploy um, definitely were mostly software related and it was just basically, Hey, what's the best software out there? What is the most efficient way to tie all of our systems together so that it's all seamless, you know, uh, I mean, right down to invoicing, right? Like one click sign, one click pay. I mean, how do you do that? There's a number of platforms, Mm -hmm. which ones do you want? How do you integrate them? 
um, that I think if you do that right the first time, it makes life really easy. Uh, and on the flip side of that, if you had to do snail mail for checks and you had to, you know, drive to the client to get it hand signed and, you know, coordinate a meeting to get that done. I mean, no, like way too much. And that's the opposite side of the spectrum. So obviously that doesn't work, but the closer you get to being extremely efficient, um, I think it allows for more bandwidth focusing on the project and sales um, stuff to drive revenue versus worrying about all the other, you know, pointless stuff like, you know, automate, you know, manually marketing to your clients. Like, obviously that's a, that's a big no, no. There's a, there's an easy way to just do a one to many type concept where you can market to everyone all at once. And like, that makes way more sense. Why would you individually email? So like just streamlining stuff. Um, I think it's always a work in progress, but that's something that um, was a big pain point and focus for me starting the company was what software, when do we deploy it? Like what's the most efficient move forward so that we can grow, but then also do what we need to do in the best way possible. Um, one of the tips I'll give everybody for that is look for a consulting agency for your industry. Um, that was that that unlocked a lot of secrets that I think a lot of people in the industry don't necessarily give you um, is look for that consulting agency. They might be able to give you benchmarking data as far as like, you know, how, how do you know if you run a good business? You're, uh, you know, we'll stick with insurance. How do you know that you have a good insurance business? Maybe you should find insurance networking groups. Maybe you should find insurance related um, consulting agencies and they might have all the answers. You might be able to participate in a, a survey and be benchmarked. And then you can say, oh yeah, we're in the top quartile of insurance companies. And then you might be able to ask them, hey, where is uh, an insurance-based ERP that we can use? What, is, what does everyone use? And they might go, oh, here's three examples. Um, you know, hiring agencies, maybe there's, there's all sorts of resources that they might have at their disposal, being very in touch with the industry. So industry newsletters, industry uh, consulting firms, that kind of stuff can be very valuable when, you know, it's not like you can call your competitor and ask them. So, and chances are your competitor is not doing this. Um, I'd probably be willing to bet unless they're very large and they're a national brand and they have their own resources mm -hmm. or you're backed by a franchise, the franchise will have resources. But if you're starting as an independent, like uh, no one's helping you. So you, you can, you'll take whatever you can get. And I think that leveling up your information and your access to better information is key. Um, if you get benchmark data, you have the industry's information, like all of it. it. It's anonymous. You don't know who's who, but you can see all their metrics. You can see their KPIs and you can see what they're doing and how much revenue per employee and all those stats, you can see it all. So it can be very valuable to crunch numbers and figure out, okay, how do I go from the... 70th percentile to, to 25th, what do I have to do? There might be a lot of steps that are semi-defined in the data to, in, to kind of get you thinking. Um, mm -hmm. So I would say that's, that's definitely probably um, something, a big takeaway, try to look for those industry specific resources. Um, yeah. That was something that was pretty helpful for us. And um, 
talking to industry guys like, you know, Brian, you're from our industry, um, coming from the manufacturing perspective. So as a dealer, we sell the manufacturer's products. We look back to the manufacturer in the supply chain, whereas, you know, uh, from the other perspective, Brian looks kind of down towards us to distribute products. So, uh, you know, someone from the industry like that could be really helpful where kind of like higher up the supply chain, uh, you might find someone that's not a competitor, but they're from the industry that, you know, Brian and I were talking before we hopped on about just some industry related questions, like, you know, just some things that kind of were on my mind and just downloading a little bit on some, on some stuff like that, that, that could be really helpful for someone. Uh, so I don't know, you don't have to just look at competitors. You can look up and down your supply chain as well for answers. And they might say, oh yeah, well, you know, all the dealers use this particular ERP because it, we natively integrate with it. So yeah, no one told you. It's like, no, no one told us. So, um, you know, that kind of stuff you can find as well. Um, I think what you're really talking about, Joe, too, to kind of sum all of that up is getting some outside, you know, getting eyes from outside your company to, um, to get that perspective, you know, because you can't, it's so hard to run a company in a vacuum, you know, and there's, you know, you could even a successful business, you could be doing great. But if you have somebody else come in and look at XYZ particulars in your business, they're going to see some things that you're going to miss that we're all going to miss because we're working in our business so much. So, um, I mean, all those examples you're giving are, are great points about, you know, just getting, getting that fresh set of eyes on things. Um, same, I mean, that's essentially what benchmarking is, for example, and looking at that benchmarking research, uh, it's one of the things I do in my profit acceleration software. I've, I've got benchmarking, um, statistics in the, in the algorithm that show what each industry is typically, uh, has for a gross profit margin and a net profit margin. And for example, um, so I know exactly what you're saying. That stuff is really helpful because then you can decide, oh my gosh, if I'm now you've got something to gauge yourself by. And when you start stacking strategies that increase your profit, then you, you know, you start to really feel good. Like, oh, wow, I'm starting to really blow past the, the industry average. So it feels, it feels good. Um, gotta, it, just go ahead, Joe. Yeah. I was going to say to your point on that, um, you know, getting information, I think a key driver, a lot of people have talked to, you need to get a a professional to help you, you know, you might, you might look at data and you might know, okay, to go from A to B, we just have to get our numbers up. But as obvious as that may seem, it's not so obvious when it comes time to, okay, so what are you doing to get your numbers up? Right. Um, you might be able to look at the gross profit margin differences in the industry and go, okay, I just gotta get my GP to, from this to this. Um, How do I do that? Well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that yeah. may not be, that's the, the, the solution is obvious the path getting there may not be. Um, So, you know, I think advisors, 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 you need good guys to work on you from on on your team. Cause I think every entrepreneur's biggest limitation is probably themselves. Cause you you only have, you only good at so many things and you're horrible at the rest of them. And I think business is the first thing that shows you that because you start to realize you, you first think yeah, everyone says, I'm going to do everything. I'm going to go ahead and we'll, we'll take care of it. No, we'll, we'll save money. We'll take care of it. And then you quickly realize how much you hate some of the things that you have to do, how bad you are at the rest of them. And you're really only good at a few, like good at a few of those things. And you're like, okay, 
I think it makes more sense to focus on what I'm good at and then get outside perspective, get outside help. You know, we can talk our numbers and, you know, we can download on what we're doing to be the best that we can be, but then get outside help and have someone come in and help you deploy the other strategies that you need. Cause you might say, Hey, we just have to go from here to here. But someone I think that's already done that is probably a better candidate than Mm -hmm than you know, we are or another entrepreneur that's never done it before. I mean, you almost have to get out of your own way and ask for help because, you know, you, or you can just, you can kind of just sit there and, you know, uh, flail around till you figure it out, but it, you're just going to be hemorrhaging dollars. Yep. I'd rather go to an individual that knows and say, Hey, how do you go from A to B? And then we just sit down and, and boom, you just need this, this, and this, these are the procedures. This is the, you know, some, some answers go here, software, you know, whatever. Yep. Um, that I think is way faster than just trying it out over the next five years. Like, you know, yeah. so yeah. yeah. It's, it's the state of business in America too, because we're not, we don't teach business in high school. We don't teach it in college unless you specifically elect to go for business administration. Right. And, and then third, the third factor is um, so number one, first of all, most people open a business because they're passionate about a certain industry. So they want to get in, run a business because they like that industry and they know how to do whatever. But what they don't have is business operation skills. They don't, they're not business operators. And that's like, like you said, that's, you got to have a very full tool, toolbox to be a good business operator. You can't just have a hammer in there. Um, and um, so that we're not learning it in schools. And then by the time you, even if you do uh, major in business administration, let's say, um, any most people will tell you that running a business in real life is still a lot different than what you learn in a textbook. I'm sorry, but um, yeah. too many people have attested to that. And that includes an MBA. Um, it's just not, it's, it's just a different thing. It's a different animal. So um that you know it's it's total i guess what i'm my point is is that i see it all the time and it's it's not you know just because you're not a good business operator and you don't know how to do everything it's not necessarily your fault it's just the the system is is not optimal to to learn how to be a good business operator in this country it's just not so what do you the question is what are you going to do to get there because a comp a company or a business is like running a car you know it's a it's an automobile it's a it's a thing with a lot of systems going on and you can't just be the steering wheel you know it takes more than just the steering wheel to make that car go same with a baseball team, you know, it's like you can have the greatest pitcher in the world, but if you don't have three people in the outfield, you're screwed. So there's just a lot, there's a lot of moving parts. And it's one of the reasons why I love what I do is because I get to work with people where I show them, don't worry, this is exactly how we're going to do it. I've got, I've got, we're going to, here's the strategy. Okay. And here's how the, how to execute it. Bang, 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 bang. And we do it. And so I'm I'm right there with you. It's absolutely necessary. And I wouldn't do what I do if I didn't believe in that because I don't because I see it every day, uh, the impact it can have. Um so and I'll I'll throw ahead, that yep. too. The um I think the biggest companies in the world, you know, if you look at a Microsoft, right? Yep. Well, they've pretty much captured their market share in a lot of ways as far as who's using their software. Like if you say, Hey, business, sales, 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 that's what everyone says. Sales, sales. Okay. Well, even when you look at the extreme version, Microsoft, 
yes, sales, 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 but their, I think their biggest focus is the operational efficiencies and reducing costs where possible, because a lot of times, you know, and that's, I think that's a testament to as you grow, there's more than just sales. Um, sometimes, you know, sales are great, but if you're inefficient in a lot of other areas that hurts your bottom line at the end of the year, um, and, you know, sales are up, sales are great, but you're also hemorrhaging money in a lot of other ways. And you may not know all the ways that you can fix that and plug those holes or be more efficient. So again, like reaching out and finding advisors that can, you know, help plug those holes, guys that know what they're doing. I mean, as a fractional CRO, the whole concept of like, like, you know, I guess like revenue operations and just like, you know, focusing on the business. Cause when you're in the business, that's like sales, 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 but then on the business, which is the value of the business, the business as a product, the whole, the, the whole way to sell the business. That's like, you, you got to work on the business itself and tinker with it and make sure that things are streamlined. And you know, that I think you need experience. I mean, unless you've been, I mean, you took a manufacturer national and, you know, three X profit, three X March uh, revenue, um, you know, seven X lowered break even, um, you know, those are some serious numbers and, uh, that manufacturer is a lot bigger than probably, you know, a lot of people who need help getting, you know, it, it, the scale that that's going to is a lot higher. So when you work down to business owners growing, it's like, you know, you need guys that are leveled up to come in and help you, uh, you know, go national maybe, or come in, you know, what do we got to do from, you know, if a manufacturer sees the value in, working on the business and focusing on revenue operations and, you know, just maximizing that. Um, then I think a small business owner should maybe consider it as well because, Hey, you know, um, that could be the difference between your business and everybody else is, Hey, it's pretty rock solid. Like the business is good. Sales are going, you know, we have a great team, but the business runs well too. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that's a, um, the industry, expertise definitely helps because like you said um you, know, you don't you don't learn everything that i've learned in business was not from college uh absolutely zero percent of it and that to me was shocking uh, some of the accounting stuff helped talking to the bookkeeper but even then i think bookkeeping is just it's all buckets they end up asking you hey where do you want this category and it's like i, right. I don't know i thought i thought that's what you were here for like, why, why are you asking me like <laughs> right. and they're like well we can't give tax advice but yeah, do you want it here or here? It changes your taxes at the end of the year. And yeah. you're like, okay. Uh, you know, so no, like it's actually really hard to get actionable help. Um, yeah. You got to find the right advisors because questions like that, even it's like, that's your weekly question. It's just like, well, you know, is this marketing or do you want it to be networking or meals? And it's like, I, I don't, I can't do the mental math on this. Like, yeah. yeah like, you know, <laughs> this, that alone is enough work, but um, yeah, the, the, the expertise you can't pay enough for mm -hmm. it because they don't teach it in school. Even if you have the degree, you're you're ready, but you're gonna learn a lot, and you got to mm -hmm. stay learning. You got to find the guys to help you learn, and the best people to do that are the guys that already did it. Most college professors, they haven't taken a manufacturer national before they started teaching. You know, like just it's unfortunate, but it's true. Um, that's pretty nice to have in the back pocket as someone that's on your team. So. Um, yeah, kudos. Thank you for going out there and, and, you know, spreading the wealth and the knowledge. Yeah, that's what we're doing. So, um, you know, you you, were, you made a couple of points there. I want to make sure we pull out for, for listeners too. Um, 
the importance of shifting your mindset from revenue, which is sales, 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 to profit. Um, you know, I just recently helped a business make, uh, they were doing just $250,000 in sales. I showed them how to make as much money, I mean, take home pay uh, for that business owner as another business that's making a million dollars in sales because it's all about profit. You don't know. I mean, there's, there's ways to make your business more profitable um, without having to sell to the masses like, like crazy. Of course, more sales is good, but you know, you can go into LinkedIn any day of the week and find a story that's probably showing up on your feed that is talking about some major company that is losing bleeding money, you know, and they have, you know, $2 billion in sales, but they're, they're, they're not profitable. What, how is that, you know, you yeah. wonder how, like, how does that even happen? I, I know how it happens because at that level, they're, they're not just making money on their sales. They're making money off of invest, you know, private equity. Uh, and that that's just a bunch of people who have a lot of money that are investing in you and they have a, a window, a runway that they give you to get yourself profitable. So they're, you know, they've got money to to invest in that. And it's a gamble. A lot of times they don't win. And then third, it, usually it's a public company and publicly traded companies, part of their income is the, the stock that they sell. So um, none of that applies to most of us. Most of us, the 30 million small businesses in the U.S., do not have those kind that kind of wind in your sales. There's no runway. There's no private equity. There's no stock price. That's just for the ninety five thousand publicly traded companies that that have that stuff. So it it doesn't teach a very good lesson. And unfortunately, those are the businesses that get all the press. Um, you have to run your business profitably, and the more you do that, the healthier you are. Uh, the healthier your business is, you can do more creative and interesting and fun things like invest in learning and development or and bring on recruit, you know, great teammates. Um, you can do things like as the business owner, start delegating a whole lot more so that you don't have to be holding up the the whole company by yourself. You know, um, you can start to back off. And yeah, that that can mean things like you get to take more vacations than than you ever thought possible but it also means you can actually start to work on your business instead of in it and start being you know your your day becomes meeting with advisors to say hey we've got these ideas now we just need to figure out how to do it let's let's just, who do we assign this to in the company to go and execute and that's when the the business that's when the reins really come off because most small business owners can't get to all the ideas they they have, but even if you feed them the ideas because they're just exhausted and they don't have time and they're doing the work, they're doing the stuff. But when you're a business owner that's working on the business, you can take in all the advice, you can have all the ideas yourself, whatever, and it never you never get tired from delegating. You know what I mean? And and delegating doesn't mean hey push it off on somebody else. That's it's not a crap rolls downhill kind of scenario. I'm saying, no, this is use the team. You hire people that can grow your business for you. You get to come up with the ideas or work with advisors who give you ideas and say this is how you do it. And then you can give that plan to delegate to multiple people so that you can have multiple strategies uh, growing your business at the same time. And it doesn't rely on you 
only doing as much as you can physically with, you know, get the energy up to do, you know what I mean? And that's sadly what, you know, 30 million businesses are, are struggled by, are strangled by. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's just that. It's just, I that. will say to, uh, to your point there, um, about just having your hands in too many baskets and how difficult that can get, um, you know, in any given week, I think this is something that the college degree doesn't prep you for in any given week, you know, you could be talking to bookkeeping legal, you know, any number of clients, clients from months ago, uh, you know, it could be people trying to get hired, you know, people that you need to fire, uh, you know, then you're involving HR. So you have a meeting for that too. Uh, and, you know, and oh, by the way, you have all these networking events, cause you're trying to grow your business. You're doing all the right things. You know, uh, maybe if you're doing, maybe you're doing something right. And you're invited on a podcast. That's pretty cool. Uh, you know, so like any, like one of the biggest things that helped us was having a partner. I'm going to plug my partner, big shout out to Josh Flibbit because, uh, without a business partner, I think, uh, you know, obviously you, I think the best partnerships are ones that you are better at different things because you can cover more ground. If there was two of me, there would just be, it would just be even obvious, even more obvious what the holes would be in the company. Cause I'm only good at so many things yep. and then I'm bad at the others. If you find someone that's complimentary to you, it means they're good in other things. Now it's a relationship you have to manage because you're different, uh, but that can be really good because you're covering more ground. And I would say that um, you know when you can eliminate half your problems as a as a business owner by having one business partner, that I would say has been night and day. Um, and hmm. people might be like, oh yeah, well you know you have one business partner, so you only have to do half as much. But no, like I mean, you're talking like you have to change tasks half as many times. Like in other words, you're doing half as much work. It feels like you're you're doing twice as much in a day. Um, that having a second individual on your team, um, can be a huge game changer. So I, you know, as I think a lot of owners want to own it themselves, I would say that, you know, definitely, uh, entertain having other co-owners that you trust that you think you can work with and grow the business with, because, um, uh, talk about a force multiplier, mm -hmm. having two of you guys instead of one. And by the way, you're good at different things and you have different skill sets. Um, I, I can't thank my business partner enough for that because I don't, I, I just, I wouldn't be where I am today without him. And he says the same thing. It's, but you, you gotta having each other's backs and doing it together and, and growing it and having someone to bounce ideas off of. Sometimes it can feel like a lonely journey and that alone can be night and day for uh, having the, the extra resources, the extra juice in the tank, the extra energy, you know, yeah. uh, you can just say, listen, I need, I need Friday off. The business ran today. You know, like, it, you know, it's like, even if you're just starting out, uh, you can, you have that option where it's like, Hey, I need a haircut. Oh, you're not going anywhere, buddy. Like you have sales calls today. You have legal, like, you know, I mean, yeah. but you can go get a haircut. Uh, and sometimes that's underrated. People yeah. are like, I want to be a business owner to get my time back. And then you find out that you work twice as many hours as you ever did before. And it's way more stressful yeah. having one business partner. Um, where you can just tap out and just be like, you know, Hey, I got to go run and do something. Be back in an hour. No, you know what? Take the day, off. take the rest of the day off. It's not, it's not a big deal. I'll just run these few client calls for you and, uh, you know, wrap everything up and put a bow on it and you're good to go. That is night and day. Uh, yeah. so I don't know if you have a, the option to have a business partner, definitely consider giving up the equity because it's worth your sanity. Yeah. Um, nice. Well said. <laughs> well so said. that was, 
I learned that as well. Uh, and it was very, we decided how we were going to split equity and stuff, but yep. you know, um, that's something that if you're super selfish on that, um, you know, you just kinda, you, you don't get your time and you know, there's, you, you pay for it in other ways. You keep the equity, but you pay for it in other ways. And sometimes it's worth it to just, uh, I mean, to, to delegate, to be able to be able to delegate. Yeah. Um, cause employees can come and go, but the people that are truly invested in the company own it. Uh, it's theirs and they don't want to see the boat sink. Uh, there's no other boats to hop onto. Like they don't want that one going down. So those guys, um, you know, you always have them in your, uh, you know, in your boat, on your team. Uh, and you know, that's, I think that's been a huge deal this year. Um, I can't overemphasize that one too. Uh, you know, the software can be huge, but without a business partner, I mean, yeah, you know, you want to take a nap, you want a haircut, you want to take a day off, like everything stops and revenue, you know, you did nothing that day. Um, that's hard when, you know, the yearly numbers don't always show that, but you know, the, the weekly numbers can, and, um, just having another guy to have your back is so big. Yep. Huge. So Joe, what, um, where's the best place for people to reach out to you if they, if they want to talk about, you know, your services and, and, uh, getting some office furniture. Yeah. Thank you. So, um, you know, I've <laughs> tried to put a lot of work into SEO. So hopefully if they just search the company, they'll find us, but, um, that's going to be commercial office interiors, our yep. website, super easy, fortunate enough to get the domain, but it's commercial office so that website, that'll, that'll kind of describe what we do. We're going, we're going to go through a, a full website overhaul. We're working on the new website. So um, everything's going to get better from here, but um, you know, yeah, that's, that's one of the best places to find us. And then uh, all of our social media as well, LinkedIn, Facebook, we have social media accounts. So searching commercial office interiors should be able to see our logo. Um, I think we're bigger on Facebook and LinkedIn. Um, but, you know, from there, reach out to us, DM us. Uh, you're more than welcome to call the company as well from Google. And anyway, we'd love to talk about business, you know, networking, fitness, just kind of having a coffee all the way to, hey, I think we have a project and we need someone to, you know, that's competent to work on this. Happy to talk about all the above. Um, so, yeah, for any of your viewers, anything you'd like, you're welcome to reach out. Amazing, Joe. Thank you. Thanks for a great discussion today and uh, loved hearing about your story and um, and you and Joe, what you you and Josh have built in a year is is really impressive. So uh, congrats you. on that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for dropping some wisdom and some um, some of the story, looks into your, your challenges and successes in the past year as well for the listeners. I'm sure uh, people are going to find some um, some great nuggets to latch on to and, and, uh, implement oh for themselves. So good stuff, man. All right. We'll, um, talk to you soon and everybody, thank you for listening to how to dominate your market with the profit finder. Uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks, Brian.